On this episode of Athletic Training Chat, we have Jack Marucci, who is the program director for LSU and their athletic training program. Amongst the many other things that Jack has on his plate, he also uh, runs a baseball bat company, very successful at that. So Greg really gets into a lot of different things with Jack in this episode, basically around, around balance, uh, working at one of the highest level institutions in terms of athletics and how that ties into being program director with his athletic training program, plus balancing work with everything else he has going on uh, while running a company as well. So lots of great insight into this. Uh, Jack has done a lot, has a ton of good takeaways. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode. Um, And as always, we are powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please enjoy. Uh, welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. Uh, we should have a great one for you today. Um, we have Mr. Uh, Jacob Marucci. He is the program director at LSU. Um, so I guess without further ado, I'll kind of let him uh, take it away with an introduction here. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I thought I always try to reach out. You know, if someone, re- I, let me put it this way, if people reach out to me, I always try to help them. You know, I, I think it's, I don't, you know, especially for the profession and, uh, you can call me Jack Jacobs on my email, I think. So, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. And then the title is director of athletic training. So I, I, you know, I mainly, when I first got here, I, I was at Florida state for eight years and we took over the, the, the program and, you know, it was working with all the different sports. We have, we have 17, uh, intercollegiate sports and, um, so I brought a couple employees from Florida State over to LSU. They've been with me since then. Um, our staff has grown, so we've kind of had to split up the duties now because of the the, the, the full expansion. Because you know, with the master's program in athletic training, you lose you know, lose our master's program that we had existing, uh, our GA program, which is really it's kind of sad to see because we've had such great success. And we're going to lose our undergraduate program. So, um, so we had to expand our staff. So now we have a huge. So we we kind of uh, have an individual I brought over from women's basketball that works primarily with me with football, and that's mainly my day to day duties. But we kind of split up the sport, so it's not as as um, you get more hands on with with each employee that you have to supervise. But you know we're we're really hands-off department. We, we let our people do what they need to do. I think that's the important thing. Um, don't micromanage. Uh, I think, you know, when you hire somebody, I think there's some principles that we look for. I think one's the character of the individual. And, uh, you know, they have a good heart. Do they work hard? Um, that all kind of falls under that character piece. I think the next piece is the personality. Someone they can communicate that has a positive uh, personality. Um, that knows how to talk to individuals. And the third is pretty simple, keep an open mind to change. 
Um, I don't feel like we do the same thing we did three years ago in the athletic training field. So I think if you have those principles, that's in your core. Um, because I said, we always can teach you the rest of the stuff. You know, it's not hard to learn how to, you know, use modalities or, or to rehab. So I think those are really the, the principles of when we look at somebody and, and hire somebody. So, um, but uh, like I said, we have a great staff. I think that's been, um, you're only as good as the people around you because look, everybody has a different skill set. Some people are a lot better in maybe looking at policy. Some people are better that in, in research. Some people are better in, you know, just day-to-day activities. Some people are better dealing with, you know, the coaches. So you want to create a team. That's what they call the team <clears throat> that, that people have different weaknesses and strengths. And I always say, focus on your strengths, you know, identify your weakness. Um, but I would put all the energy into that. Find out w- what you do well is what's going to carry you on. And don't be afraid to have enough, um, you know, ability to bring in people that are better in some areas than you are, you know. Don't have an ego. I always said ego makes you dumb because you just don't want to take any advice. You, you think you know it all. So that's a little snapshot of what we've done with the, with the staff. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. I mean, uh, it's great to hear that you guys really focus on, you know, those values and, and things. So yeah. um, I guess uh, I can tell that you're a very humble guy. So um, if you don't mind, I might kind of just um, speak of some of your experiences yeah. here just because they kind of part into our questions. So um, Mr. Marucci here yeah. graduated from West Virginia, had a GA ship at Alabama. Um, yeah. You were an assistant athletic trainer at Florida State for a while. Right. Um, had a couple um, kind of preseason NFL internships with the uh, Buccaneers and Browns. Right. And you are in your 24th year at LSU. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't even keep track. I don't even know. <laughs> All I know, I got here in '96, so I guess the math will say 24. So. Yep. And uh, he has been a part of four uh, national championship football teams, which is obviously uh, you know outstanding. Um, four SEC championships and. Uh, we'll kind of get to this later on, but you started your own uh, baseball bat company as well, uh, which is extremely interesting, especially in a you know a busy profession like like athletic training to uh, to kind of to pile that on there. So um, I guess going from there, um, you know, you've had all these great experiences. I mean, a lot of a lot of SEC experience, a little bit of you know a, a dive into the pros. Um, do you feel like being flexible early on uh, in your career really helped you decide which path you're going to take? Yeah, I think flexibility, you know, because you can set goals, I guess. I, I always felt like you have kind of a where you want to be, but don't, you know, don't get so infatuated with the goal that you forget about, you know, there's other avenues that you may have. And that's the thing you don't want to, you know, let go. And what I mean by that, you may find a path that you're going and say, look, this, this interests me a lot. So you got to keep that open mind that may be take you to a different. So that's where you have to be flexible. <clears throat> and also the flexibility is working with different groups of people too. You know, you can't just, um, I was fortunate to have all those experiences at a young age. I mean, I went from probably within a four year period, I was with four different organizations based off internships, West Virginia, Cleveland, Tampa, and Alabama. And I, I guess you can throw Florida state in there. Uh, so I, I, I was, I was exposed to a lot of different 
groups of people. So the, the flexibility better be there or else you're not going to survive. Sure. And then, uh, you know, how was it, how was it like getting all that experience at, you know, a young age, like you said, four, four places in four years, was it kind of a lot to take in or, um, um, I think everybody's built differently. Um, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I, we grew up in a, uh, Western Pennsylvania, we grew up in a coal mining town. So we had, we were pretty blue collar. So, um, and you know, we grew up fine. I mean, it wasn't like we had, but I think I just appreciated it so much to be at these places. I never took that for granted. That's one thing I never did. I always felt very fortunate. And I think a lot of people today, they get a, an opportunity and they kind of take it for granted. And uh, I think that's where you can't, um, you know, I think the view of the, the position is, and I'm still thankful for, I always tell people the privilege to work where I'm at now. You have to keep that, you have to keep grounded about that. You know, if it was Cleveland, <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget, you know, the internship back then, you had to write letters. And I, again, well, I grew up a Steelers fan, but I remember getting the letter from, from the Browns head trainer, Bill Tessendorf, and said, we might have some possible openings. And I, I told him, I said, uh, well, you know, what, what about the interview process? And he goes, well, we're going through that now. And I told him, I said, I'll drive up there tomorrow. Um, it was about, it's about a three hour drive. And he says, I tell you what, you got the job, you know, just based off of that statement. And because I, I felt so fortunate just to have an opportunity, maybe he would talk to us and sure enough, the opportunity came. So, um, I think I was always very appreciative again of, of the opportunities. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well said. Um, definitely, you know, a lot of importance there and, uh, it, can weigh, weigh a ton on, you know, those, those options and things. Um, so I guess transitioning into your current role here at LSU, what is it like being the, uh, the director of athletic training? Well, you know, it's, uh, again, it's, it's, you're only as good as the people around you, good as administration. And they've always been very supportive of us. So, um, I think that's the first thing then, you know, you don't, you don't get somewhere unless you have, people that you trust and have the same values. I mean, there's a, there's a value piece there. And, and if you don't have the same type of value, then I think that's where it can go awry. And, and, you know, I think that's the important part. Um, you know, we, we got here, I've been through I'm trying to think how many coaches, uh, one, two, three, about four coaches. Um, Jerry DiNardo was here when I got here and, uh, he, he was a tough coach to work with, and um, he, uh, I think it taught you, you better trust your staff because that's who you have to confide in and, and, and work through. But one thing I never did, you know, you go to staff meetings, some coaches are tougher on you than others. Um, well, he, uh, you know, I never would carry it on down to the train. They would never know. And I thought that was always something I didn't want them to have, you know, an effect from. But we were able to get through that. Um, we had an interim head coach for our last game and it was kind of neat cause he called us in. He knew we had the, the, the pulse of the team. So we gave him some pretty highly, you know, critical, uh, recommendations. We end up winning that game. I always told him he'll be the only undefeated coach. His name's Al Hunter in LSU history. So he's one to know. Uh, 
then Nick Saban came in. And then um, same type, you know, he was he was untrusting at first. Then he ended up leaning on us on a lot of stuff. Um, we won um, our first uh, SEC championship. It was one of the most incredible games. I'll never forget it. We had a, a backup because our starter got hurt, Matt Mock, who um, – there's a story behind that. Uh, he, he wore Jersey 18 and we talk about character all the time. So after he left, I just, I, I love the kid, you know, he's, he's a dentist now in Denver. Um, but a Midwest kid from Indiana and he, uh, we kind of clicked a lot. He, 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 I, we, he was a baseball, former baseball player. He came back and played for us when he was, uh, probably about 22. He was a freshman. And uh, he actually was the one I would bring some bat. We'll talk about the bats, but I'd bring a bat in and say, hey, how's this look? And we talked, you know, uh, baseball bats. But um, the 18 represents now, if you go, if you look it up in LSU, it's another thing we're pretty proud of. It goes to a player that has the highest character every year. Now it's handed down. It's a big, it's in the college uh, hall of fame now. So that number 18 is represented, you know, uh, you know, basically the, organically it came from the training room so i thought that was a pretty neat thing but we won the sec championship but just with those type of guys and um you know it was it was such a, a special time so um then then the next coach was uh, les miles who was very good to us you know i enjoyed our kids grew up together um they played high school baseball together uh that's great times but i think got a little antiquated and 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 Orgeron, who I developed a very good relationship with, and he's probably been one of the best. He is the best head coach I've been with because he allows us to do a lot of research. He allows us to do a lot of uh, creative stuff in the training room. I think the, the the era of taping ankles and all that, you know, is is pretty much for us. It's it's kind of a wayside thing, but we we have really, I think, been proud on the stuff that we've been able to do because it's applicable. So, but he allows us to grow if it's eye tracking with our wide receivers, if it's looking at pass rush guys in the different stances on right side, left side. Um, we've done a lot of uh, research from sodium, looking at uh, cramping. Um, we looked at rhabdo. We, I, we, we have such a, a large menu of, of research projects. But again, the head coach allows you to, to expand on that and doesn't always guessing why you why we have all these people out here, you know, observing. So the, you know, the experience has, has been second to none. Um, you know, the three national championships here and the one at Florida State, um, they all were a little, little bit different. And uh, I think the last one reminded me that team was a lot from an offense like we had at Florida State with uh, Charlie Ward, who actually won the Heisman also as a quarterback. And, um it, but this team is probably one of the greatest to go down. And uh, and I've done a lot of podcasts on character. And so Coach believes in it. So I, I looked at all these great championship teams, and I've taken character matrices out. And that's how we've recruited the last couple of years. And that's why this team was such a great experience, because we had a lot of input on it. And um, it, it, it I told Coach at the beginning of the year, our recruiting class that we brought in, who's our leaders now. I think their character score was since 2001 was probably the second highest. And I said, we're going to go a long way. So 
Um, but that's how the profession's changed. And, and we're trying to change it too, because, you know, it's okay to dabble in other things. You don't have to be just a uh, anatomy guy. And, and, but there's a lot of, you know, you, I think the, the role can really grow. So that's, that's kind of where we're at now. Oh, uh, some great stories there. I mean, um, I'm sure we could sit down for hours and talk about oh, yeah. uh, some of these past coaches and uh, oh, yeah. oh, definitely yeah. some strong personalities and, and whatnot. Um, so I guess you kind of yeah. touch base on this a little bit, but maybe approaching it from a little more of a sports medicine side. Right. Um, what was that dynamic like um, with the national championship season that you guys just had? Well, it, 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 it was one that I always said I, I didn't want the year to end. Because, again, I, I appreciate it. I knew what we had. I, it was just so good every week. And um, because the type of players we had from a high character, look, you know, you can look at all the different star ratings. A lot of our best players were two stars. One guy was a zero. One guy, Burrow, was a three. So we had a lot of players that weren't this high moniker, but we were able to develop it because you look at character and intelligence because we do a lot of mental processing. We also are involved in how quick people see the game, how quick they can process, make decisions, how impulsive they are, how quick they can track an object. So we're, we're all into a lot of those numbers, but um, they don't lie as people would say. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I knew we had something going into the year, but we beat Texas on the road, which they gave us everything they had because they were healthy and that was our Super Bowl. And you could see our offense on display. So I, we knew we had something. And, you know, you're working through the injuries, and, and, the, and Coach O goes, man, you guys are the best. I don't know how you guys get these guys back so fast. I said, I'm not that good. I said, we're not that good. I said, it's the type of player, better character guys will make you look better. Because what they'll do, they'll want to come back for you. Um, I said, the next piece is, is that, look at our stretch the way we practice the last eight weeks, we cut back so much. I said, it's the way we practice. It helps us, you know, it makes us, you know, we don't have as, as much exposure. So it allows us to do that. I said, we do use a lot of biologics. You know, we, we studied stem amniotic stem cells for the last five years. Um, and they work. It's an anti, we use them for anti-inflammatory. We're not looking for growth factors. Then there's another product that you can take out of the plasma. Um, it's called alpha two macroglobulin. It's an A2M. Okay. It's another big time anti-inflammatory. So it has allowed us to get guys back. You know, we, we've cut a lot of the cortisone out because of the amniotic and, and, and the prices have come down, but we have a freezer right in the training room, but we've, we've have over a hundred some cases documented. Uh, I spoke at Dr. Andrews's clinics twice, the baseball one and the football one and presented that. And I think that's stuff that we use this year. Again, fully, we probably went because we have such a, a good feel about it. That was something we used to try to help kids get back safely and, and, and quicker. But, uh, you know, every week uh, that went by uh, was very exciting just because, uh, you know, you know, the type of work was put in. But again, you're dealing with a a population that we really enjoyed being around. And I, I think that is why I knew it was such an important piece to enjoy and soak up every, every minute of that. And I think because we had a lot of input, we, we, we did studies in the summer looking at pass rush guys, looking biomechanically, are they better 
on the right side. Maybe they bend better on their left. You know, you look at the range of motion from their ankle, knee, and hip. Do they get around that corner quicker? Do they come out of a stance, maybe a 2.3 point? Um, who accelerates better from one side? So, and coach used it. And uh, we did a lot this year. We do a lot. I got it from baseball, the way guys track a baseball. I look at the way they hit. So if a guy's a pull hitter, I learned it from my son, who was a very, very good hitter, and played college baseball, who I ended up making the bats for. But um, he, he, he looked like he always had a quick bat he could pull, but he was a cross-dominant hitter, meaning he was right-handed, left-eyed. And there's variances. We, we can get in that whole topic. But So I applied it to wide receivers. There's a preference the way these guys track a football. They're going to say, I don't know if you played football or not, but I, I guarantee if I throw a ball to you, you'll tell me probably I'd rather turn one way than the other to catch a ball. There's, there's a, and we have a whole sequencing. We have a wearable now. Um, I've worked with uh, Mike Mann, who's been a great scientist with us. He's got his master's from University of Florida, so we've kind of partnered with him. But um, we, we try to put our receivers in the best routes possible to make them now a lot of guys are bilateral route runners um that you know that there's not there's a variance but it's not going to affect them as much or we can change their technique so why this year again was so special we had a lot to do with um using some different things that we studied um and and we our head coach uses it if it has if it has validity to it um, he's told us, he goes, you've made me a better coach. And, you know, and I make sure our staff hears that. Or I bring them in the meeting to present stuff. So, because it's everybody again. And um, so, you know, you finish it up. You go in those last three games. You play Georgia, Oklahoma, um, then Clemson. We actually, that was probably the healthiest we were all year. I mean, we had one kid with a hamstring injury going into Oklahoma. It's really all I had on the injury report. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I didn't have much. And um, we uh, practiced in, in, a, in a means of, you know, we, we didn't overkill. You didn't, and here's the thing about a head coach, too. They can always be paranoid what everybody else is doing. They always want to say, oh, you know, he's working. Between the Oklahoma, between Oklahoma and Clemson, both of those teams in that, uh, I'd say it was a four-week span, practiced 10 more days than we did. So, actually, we practiced 10 days less than the combination because I think Oklahoma practiced about seven more days than us and Clemson did three more. Again, you know, it shows you that you don't have to, you know, worry about what somebody else is doing. So, I think also we implemented uh, – had a – big hand in our locker room we created these pods and I was able I got the idea from first class airplane seats and I think rest and recovery was another thing that we implemented because they could take a nap in there they'd have to go all the way back to their apartment so it folds out into a bed and mm -hmm. they could watch video in there and there's there's a lot of stuff online and um, that's another thing we were really proud of so I think it was a uh, um, you know Again, I think it was a special year. Not only type the character players we had, the intelligence, and the innovative stuff that we were trying to implement. So, um, again, it was probably it was the best. And and you know, one thing about our head coach also, he does everything right. He's 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 not going to cheat to get a player. 
he, he will not do it. And I always felt like three years ago when this team was built, it was built three years ago based off of those premises. If we win, then we have a model of what to do. And it, and it is, and it is awfully, it's the honest of God's truth. This is the way you do it and you can stick by it. And you know, the result was probably, you know, one of the greatest teams ever. Now, Joe Burrow was pretty dang good. You know, we had all these other young guys. And at the Combine, um, our mental processing, they do mental processing. He's the same. We helped this company launch called S2. They said, by far, we have the most um, intelligent slash football intelligence, mental processing players in any other place. And I thought that was something we were really proud of, too. So, And, and then we looked at the draft picks. I looked at all the – Draft. We had eleven. They were drafted in the third round and up. Eleven of them. We're gonna have over. We're gonna have about twenty kids start of camp that were on this team last year. We'll start in the NFL camp. But and and but the of the eleven, their GPA was very high. Their mental processing scores were almost in the elite level, and their character score out of four was three point seven. And he presented that whole thing to the team to to show them that this is why why it matters. And you know, at the end of the season, we had a lot of new staff people. He made me lead a meeting. It was three hours long. It was about character. We went over every player and, and we and, and talked about their scores. So, uh, but I, I think, again, that's why that year meant so much to us. Wow. Yeah, that's, I mean, some of that stuff is just excellent. I mean, getting to hear about your, your guys' research and really uh, how much of a role you guys can get to play um, you know, with Coach O and, uh, you know, those, those high caliber athletes, that's just, you know, one of the best sports medicine things I've heard. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's, that's awesome. Um, so I guess next question for you, being at a program like LSU, you know, it's, it's got this winning culture um, with multiple sports. Is there any pressure uh, of, you know, any added pressure of working in no, the sports medicine there? Not at all. If anything, there's no pressure. Um, because it's pretty simple getting a kid you treat him like your son and if, 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 depending on what type of parent you are maybe some parents will throw their kid out there but um we always listen to the player if they don't have confidence we're never gonna put them out there but um i think culturally we've always had players that always wanted to play so it makes it easy so there's, the, there's not much pressure if anything sometimes we got to hold them back um i think that you know we've cultivated that over years and um i don't feel like the coach not gonna put pressure on you he's gonna do the right thing um and if you know what you're doing and, and you know that what's the right and wrong thing you know it, it it works out and again when you communicate with the athlete you you explain it you, you go in detail um for example, if a kid has a meniscus injury, look, we're, we're in crunch time, middle of the season, we can get him back in a couple of weeks. But if we can repair that meniscus, we're going to sew it. He's going to be out for the four months or whatever. So as long as you stick to that and, and, and you're truthful, you never have to make up anything. You're telling the same story because it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, you know, I think pressure is built within that individual. So I, I feel like with our staff, um, which we make it fun, we make it, you know, challenging. But I think the type of players we have that get back quickly, that there isn't 
much of a pressure because we're treating them, like I said, like you would a family member. So I think as long as you keep that principle, that keeps the pressure away. Wow. Very cool. All right. Um, so some great answers on the, the sports medicine side. I did want to kind of dive into your uh, baseball bat company here. Right. So um, what inspired you to start that? Uh, my son was probably eight years old. And um, he, he, we watched baseball, and he, he wanted a wood bat. You know, he goes, you know, Dad, would, I'd like to get a wood bat and hit with it. He liked the colors of Bonds' bat. So I called all the companies, Louisville Slugger and Rawlings and Sam Bat and all the big companies, and at the time, they didn't make them small enough. So back to Matt Mock, I said, I'm thinking of making some. I, I took a wood shop class in eighth grade and I actually just connected. I've been trying to search out this family. Uh, I had a teacher, Mr. Hess. He was a wood shop teacher. And again, from our area, it, it means a lot because that's, that's kind of the area we're from. It's more blue collar wood shop. You, you know, you do all these hands-on type things that you don't, I always believe that's how teaching should be. I think, we should evolve as a culture instead of just sitting in a class. Everything should be more hands-on, quicker, because you don't forget it. So I bought a cheap lathe um, from Harbor Freight. It was 88 bucks, And I started making – I made him a bat. I brought in a mat. I always taper here. I still have the first bats I made. And, you know, so I started getting pretty good at it. So my son used a wood bat until he was 12, and he could hit. You know, he was really good. But meantime um, – you know, as, as all my skills are coming back with the wood lathe and, uh, I did connect with the family. I have, I want that's where I was going with it. And I, about a couple of days ago and it meant a lot because I just wanted to thank it's the daughter and she's, cause he was an older gentleman at the time. And I just wanted to tell her the story and, and how much it meant. That class was the best class I ever took in my life. Oh. It was the most, one of the most valuable, um, you know, you can get a master's or whatever, but that was the most important class. So um, I got pretty good at it. Uh, there was a player named Eduardo Perez who does a lot of MLB baseball, and I always loved him. He has all the things that you love. He has the character personality, and he's fun to be around, and you, you want to be around those people. And he was playing for the Cardinals. This was like 2003, 2004. I was going up for a, a trainer's convention in St. Louis. We were catching up, and – I was trying to get a couple of tickets and uh, sure enough, he was, uh, he said, well, come up. He goes, I tell you what, bring me up a couple bats. I wasn't licensed, you know, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm back in the house spinning these bats, chips going everywhere. And I take it up to him and he meets me in front of the hotel. And, uh, while well, he's going to the ballpark. He said, I tell you what, come down to batting practice tomorrow. And, uh, I want to maybe meet some guys. So I seen him the next day and he loved it. He goes, you know, I'm going to sneak this bat in the game because you're not licensed. And I said, oh, shoot. This thing, I said, Eddie, this thing may explode. I said, I just made this thing in my backyard. The only people that swung these bats is seven, eight, nine-year-olds, you know. So sure enough, he, I meet him. He takes me down there, introduced me to Albert Pujols and, and Barry Larkin. They're, they had high interest. So actually Barry Larkin was the first one to sneak it in a game. Um, to get a hit. Albert used a lot of batting practice, and, and Albert ended up being a partner with us um, down the road with our company. But um, 
so Eddie, I think it was the fourth or fifth inning, he sneaks it in the game. And sure enough, he, he grounded out, but it was probably one of the neatest experiences because, you know, we made this bet uh, a couple of days ago in the backyard. So word of mouth took off, and uh, there's a ton of stories I could be hours just tell you the stories how these bats got into the in the big leagues and um it uh is the number one bat used now in major league baseball and uh it's it's kind of humbling just to think about how it all started and you know if my son didn't want to bat you know and, and, and i always say it is a game of inches because all the bats were about an inch off which is a big deal for a little kid but if they made a bat that those companies that was an inch shorter then I probably would have never done it. And uh, so that one inch um, was a big, big deal. But, uh, you know, it's created a lot of jobs. It's created probably over 100 jobs. There's a lot of people involved. I mean, there's a lot of partners. So um, it's, uh, but it has my name on it. And, uh, you know, the, the, the tradition you'll always, I guess, carry on. And it's a neat legacy to have. And uh, I always tell people it was a good stress relief, too, to get away from saving when he was. Uh, uh, you know, coaching. So I always tell people to have another interest. It makes you better in your profession. So that way you're not just come by just the, you know, athletic training or sports medicine, because you see things differently when you have other interests, I believe, and uh, don't let it consume you. And uh, so, because, you know, I even tell our players, uh, our line in recruiting is, Again, I like to talk things in threes because people can remember. I said, there's guarantees in life. And this is our opening line to recruits. I said, we don't live forever. You're going to pay taxes and you don't play football forever. So you better find out, A, you better get a degree and we'll help you with a job. That's one of the jobs programs that we enjoy having. Um, and, I, and that's why I use this corona time for these players to say, look, this is what retirement's like. So that's why it's important to get a degree. And, I, I, you know, it's a whole other topic because I think the CTE is overblown. And, uh, you know, we were the school that had the sensors in the helmets because we take concussion serious. We were the ones that put in the data to get rid of two of them. So we were one of the big four speakers that spoke on it and showed the data and showed the impacts of rotational G-force and the whole deal. So we take it very serious. Um, I, we were one of the first schools to use the impact. Um, we use C3Logic now. So my point is – we take it serious, but I think what happens is when people don't have a passion and they're done, you do get depressed. You do get anxiety because now what do I do? You know? So that's why it's so important to have a college degree, have a, a plan, have a life's work as, as Chuck Noel used to tell his players. And I think that's important to have. So, um, but it all kind of, as you see, it's all encompassing in, in what the program's about. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what was it like, kind of balancing your, your bat company with your, you know, program director at LSU. That's, you know. Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, good people allow you to do some stuff. The coaches have to have an understanding. But I think, you know, it, when we transitioned to a bigger building and all that, that was the summers I, w I would leave, but I would do that at night. I would cut the bats at night. I would spend a lot of time. Um, and I think that's where um, – you know, you just have to be smart the way you you can, you know, cut up the day. You know, you have a how, how you're going to plan it. But then it evolves into technology, right? I mean, an iPhone, you can do almost everything you want on there. You can take text messages. 
You can take all the social media, communicate. You can take all the emails, obviously phone calls. So you can manage once it's, it's running and you know, you have a CEO and look, they built the pro they built that whole deal. Also, that I, I wasn't me. I mean, uh, and you, you built the same thing. You built a team that you can trust. And, 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 and like I said, they probably benefited more than I have today, a lot more, but, um, I think with technology, you could do a lot, you know, communicate with players. You know, I, I go to spring training, you know, you spend a week, get communicate, you work with all those guys, then they have your information. They need some changes. So I, I you know, that makes it easy. Um, so uh, I think that's with technology, that's the strong suit as, as we're doing right now. Um, you know, you can FaceTime, you can, you can, you can still, but it, but you still, I think you need that personal touch. Um, I think that's what was an advantage of the bat company. I wasn't a salesman. I was in the athletics and I would tell our, again, I go back to character. I would tell the clubhouse guys, cause I only had so much wood is that give me your best character guys. That's who we'll make bats for. I don't care if they're the greatest player and we've cut guys off if they didn't do the right thing and they got mad and we got into it with them. And some one guy was a hall of famer, but, I think it was the same principle um, working with them and, and they always remind me of that. They, they, they love it, you know? So, but I'll even do it. Uh, I did it this past uh, spring training, you know, talked about if you have some young guys, we can do more if they have higher character. So they direct us towards those guys. So, um, but I think balancing it uh, again, good people. I think you can achieve a lot and with technology. So. Sure. Yeah, some great points there. Um, I guess, uh, you know, great hearing about the baseball bat company and a very unique path um, for an athletic trainer, especially. Um, But I would love to get into the AT Chat 5 questions with you. Um, We ask these questions with all our guests and, uh, you know, really looking forward to your answers. So first one here is, uh, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Well, I, I hope it goes, not because we're doing it, I hope it goes the more or less what we're trying to, to achieve, you know, from a research. And look, it's not the research. I never thought I'd do research. That was the last thing. I wasn't built that way. I wasn't, I'm hands on. But our research is all hands on. It's, it's, it's applicable. It's called applied research. Because we're going to use it, you know, we can do these snapshots and they, they're a lot of these are IRB approved. And, and, you know, um, I think that's what's neat about it, but we're, we're able to use it in the field right away. And, uh, um, you know, we, we think that that has given us a big advantage also, but I think that, I think just looking at some analytics stuff and analytics again is not something that you think that, it's all this number crunching, but let's look at the character scores. Let's look at the mental processing scores. Let's look, see if we see trends. Let's, that's my big thing. Let's find trends on things. We did a rhabdo study where everyone, if, if someone has a problem with heat, they take them to the hospital, their CPK and all that's their, their, their numbers are up, but maybe that's a normal, uh, maybe that's a normal uh, occurrence. So sure enough, we took 25 players, moderate day, all their numbers are way up. So your numbers always go up. So that, that doesn't mean you have rab though. So we, we follow the within the next 24, 48 hours, they all go back down. 
Um, so I think that's the thing. Uh, here's another neat thing on, on, on a spleen, um, with mono, we had a big tight end six, five and all the data shows everyone has a spleen. They're going to do a, you, you do an ultrasound and they look at it. How many millimeters? I said, maybe I looked everywhere. There was one small study that showed that maybe larger people have a larger spleen, maybe a little common sense there. So we, we scanned them, um, scanned them again, and it looked like one coming down, but he was feeling fine. I said, well, what we're going to do, we're going to wait about six, seven months. Maybe this is his, maybe he has a larger spleen than, than this number that they give you. Sure enough, it was. So that's just a common sense thing. The other thing we did with like concussions, you know how you do the questionnaires when you, symptoms, symptoms checklist. So we said, all right, after practice, let's do a symptoms checklist with people that feel completely fine after practice, didn't get hit. Sure enough, the average was 10. Well, some of them have had a, you know, just from the heat or wasn't they ever got hit in the head. These are, these are walkthroughs and type of stuff. But they have a symptom score. So you're, you already start with 10 points. So I think, again, those are common sense things. So I think athletic training has to expand and get away from, you know, just the We'll still have the core. I mean, we probably only like ankle taping is a good example. We maybe take thirty percent of the team. I mean, we when we remodeled the building, I shrunk all that back down. Um, you know, uh, I, I just believe that you know we have to look at more things that we can do uh, to expand. We don't have to stay in that little box, you know. So I mean, we we have so many experiences. Might as well capitalize on them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's all great stuff. Yeah, and I think the stem cells and all that other biologics is another thing we really expanded on and made a huge impact. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so what advice would you give yourself um, as a young athletic trainer? Um, I think the same thing as we talked about. You better keep an open mind because if you get – pigeonholed or get locked in just the one thing like some people just get caught up in just biomechanics and, and I remember as a young person thinking man I don't know enough about it maybe I'm losing something here but you learn over time that it's good to have that knowledge base but that's not everything I think young athlete trainers hear a topic or something and then they get I don't know they, they feel like they have to put almost too much effort into it and it's, it's worth it, but it's not really part of the big picture. It's like, all right, your back's out. You, you, aligning the hips. We look at the, you know, iliac crest. You know, you, you've done all that. But if you look at the studies over next day or two, they go back to where they were. So you can do all that, and that's fine. But you better find some other means, um, you know, to, to put the energy is what I'm saying. Um, so I, I would say as a young athlete trainer, what I would have done, I wouldn't have got as caught up in, in those, in those, you know, just focusing on one thing that someone was really good at. But if someone is really good at that, bring them on your staff, if that's what they enjoy. And that, and that's part of the puzzle. That doesn't mean that's everything. And, and, and I think we can get educated. We think we can hear a speaker and it sounds like it's everything is coming out of this one area. So I think that's that's the biggest part of it. And also, you know, don't have, you know, it's fine to set goals, but, you know, I think you got to broaden those. 
um, because you just don't know what's going to change. We say it, I'm sorry, in research too, that it's like a tree. You always find another thing to grow off of it. We research something else, but your career path is the same way. So don't get so caught up. I got to be here at this certain time. It's terrible to set numbers. And what I mean by that, I tell this with our players, oh, I have to have so many sacks by third game. I have to have so many interceptions. Once you start doing that, you put now you're putting pressure on yourself. If you do the right things, you, you do what you know, it'll happen. So I, I think that's the biggest part to understand. Sure. Yeah, some great comments there. Um, next one for you. What has been the most influential resource um, that you've found so far in your career? Um, a lot of it's common sense. And I know that sounds simple. Um, I think that's a huge resource of, of just remember what common sense means. And some people maybe have to go back and look at that definition. Uh, the other big resource is people that in, you know, you can go to all these meetings, but I think it's better to have the personal uh, groups that you can talk about what they experienced. I think that's more important than just sitting there in a lecture and a PowerPoint. I think it, it that is a resource is using your colleagues to the fullest and talk to them and find out what they seen success with. It's like a product, right? Someone comes a salesman, gives it to you. I'm going to automatically ask who else is using it. Then I'm going to ask them. That's the resources that you use to find out about products. If, if, if you know, they've already tried and true. So I think that's, that's one of the most important important things so use your common sense use your colleagues i think those are, are very powerful tools yeah absolutely all right our next one for you is um, if you could change or eliminate uh, one thing in the field of athletic training uh, what would it be um, a lot of common answers we get are dealing with a modality um, maybe a common practice that people use even just a mindset um, really anything i think it's more a mindset um, Again, we've talked about it during this interview. Um, you know, I think people have to change their mindset or thinking that athlete trainers can expand their roles. You know, um, now you, you can be limited by the coach. We, we know that. And, but you have to prove what you're saying it has to have data-driven numbers, So, which isn't as hard as you think it is. I think the mindset from research – which I hate, I, I always would think, man, why would you ever do that? But I think we changed the mindset on the type of research we're doing. It's applicable, it's, it's, it's fun to do, and the players love it. Um, and I think we're very rare because our players are involved in it. I think we're one of the only universities that we have like direct access because we've teamed up our sports science groups. I have a, I have a fellow that, that we have on, on site in the training room, but we're tied in with kinesiology. So we have a whole group immunologists. And so we have a really neat, fun group, but um, I think that's the other part. I think the mindset there is just so siloed that, um, you know, we, we, we should let other people in and uh, they have great ideas, but uh, you know, I, I, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, that you see, I think that has to change. And um, you know, um, you know, you mentioned modalities. We use modalities, but we're, we're more functional movements. And, you know, we do it. We've been like that for a long, long, long time, way before. I mean, you think about even dry needling, we've probably done it over 
10, 12 years, at least 12 years. Um, all that grass and ASTM, that was, that was uh, late 90s. I mean, so we, we've been very fortunate. The, the Hivamat, we were the first, if people know that modality, that came from a small town in Louisiana. We we're the first ones to kind of launch that. Um, so, um, again, you can see that we have an open mind where it's willing to try it. If it's safe to the athlete, let's try it. You know, but let's, you don't know what you're going to be able to find. So, yeah, no, sounds, you know, definitely agree. Uh, sounds like some very cool stuff, uh, especially with a lot of your cutting edge uh, apl applicable research that you guys are doing. You know, that's just um, awesome to hear about. And it's, it's definitely unique. You know, we, we don't, uh, we don't get a whole lot of that on our, on our podcast here. So right. uh, yeah, definitely appreciate that. So last one for you here, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Well, it means relationships. I think that's the most important thing that you'll ever have in your life. So, so we have a platform to create a relationship with a diverse group of people. And, um, you know, I still talk to guys, if you go back to Florida State days, Ward Dunn or Derek Brooks or Charlie Ward, who were all high character guys that we won with that team. But my point is you, you, you're going to keep a relationship with, with people that, you know, you create a bond with from a team. Um, you know, we all talk about a lot of trainers. It is enjoyment to see a player get back out after you, you know, um, and, and that's fun. And, and, you know, it's rewarding. Um, so one interesting thing I, I should have shared with you in the national championship game, we had a player have a hamstring injury going into Oklahoma. The running backs coach is, is pretty upset. We have two freshmen behind him. But we had, a, we had a third guy who was a fourth-team guy. He was here a year before. But he's thinking, how am I going to play these freshmen? What am I going to do if this happens? And um, He's asking our opinion, so we gave it to him. We said, what about Chris Curry? Chris Curry's a guy that's the first guy in the meetings. Chris Curry treats our people right. And I look at how people treat each other. That's one of part of the character matrix. And I said, um, he has a high character, plus plus he'll run with a vengeance because he has something to prove. You know, this guy's a 14 guy, but he hadn't complained. You know, we moved, we, we entitled these other players because they were five-star guys and put them in front of them. He goes, well, he goes, go talk to the head coach. He had me get done. And sure enough, here, here's an athlete trainer. You know, you don't want to talk personnel, but – I did and talked to that. So they liked the idea. So Chris Curry, and then they asked Burrow, he felt comfortable with him. Sure enough, Chris Curry almost had 100 yards that game. Chris Curry at halftime thanks us, almost in tears. And, again, that's part of that relationship. That's what athletic training is. And that probably was more rewarding than anything we've done in a long, long time. Um, the other thing is – we had a running back that was dropping a lot of balls and coaches are all over. This, he was a young kid. He was on our team. But I noticed it was w with his right head turn is where he was having problems. So we put the eyewear on it. We could see where his one eye was not firing correctly. It wasn't in sequence. It was rolling back. He kind of had a lazy eye there. He wasn't seeing the ball. So no wonder. 
So we did do a surgery and uh, it corrected it. We went back, tested them, and it was probably, again, one of the biggest impacts that we had on that individual. And I think that now we got to, the kids so thankful, you just developed a strong relationship with them. And I think, again, that's all the rings and all that's fine, but it's always about who you have around you and, and, and develop that relationship. So I think those are just small snippets of, of a, you know, that, that's within the last year, but they were probably one of the biggest impacts that we've had. I, I'd say in athletic training, we're probably doing the most exciting things and, and, and most rewarding things in the last couple of years and in, 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 in our career. So um, I, I think that's what people have to understand. And um, one other piece with relationships So Brett Favre came in and uh, he, was at my, he was at my office and we were just talking and we were talking about what were the same type of topic. And he goes, you know why I couldn't give up football? Well, you know why I kept coming back? And you're probably a Packers fan. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. Okay. So um, he goes, the touchdown passes, all that were great. He goes, I, I didn't like camp. Because you know what I missed? I couldn't let it go. Was being in the training room and interacting with the guys, being in the locker room, being around a team. He goes, oh, that, but that's a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's why, he goes, it was so hard to give up. And uh, so – you know, that, that, that's what the profession should be. Um, yeah, we're going to help a lot of people. You know, we're always going to try to prob problem solve. Um, but I think you got to stick to that. And then, you know, I think that'll give you the most enjoyment. And, uh, you know, helping others is always the secret to life. You know, if you can help somebody, uh, you'll get more rewarding. And, I, and we teach this to our players. I always tell them, you know, you're going to make some money. Help the person that you grew up with down the street that needed something. I don't care if it's a bed, a microwave. It'll be one of the greatest rewards you have. So I think that's, again, all-encompassing in what you try to do. Sure. Yep. Well, uh, you know, we at uh, Athletic Training Chat here really want to thank you for taking your time out to, uh, to join us. Um, I can already tell you that our viewers are going to really appreciate a lot of the advice and um, – you know, a lot of the, a lot of the really powerful, powerful statements and, you know, just the great stories. Um, you got a lot of, a lot of good ones about, you know, some high profile <laughs> athletes. So, you know, everybody loves hearing those. Um, right. but yeah, we really just wanted to say, you know, we appreciate the time. Um,